you know, it's one of those things where social media can connect you with some amazing individuals. If I wasn't on social media, I know it's a double-edged sword, but if I wasn't on social media, I would never would have come in contact with our guest. I saw a post that he had made. I commented on that post that, man, like I need to get this guy on my podcast. He reached back out to me. We made it happen. And here we are today. Super inspiring story. Now, this is one of those stories for all the underdogs, for the kids who got cut from their teams, not just once, but multiple times, people who were always overlooked that had to fight through adversity. If you don't think you can still make it, you can. I want you to pay attention to this one. Also, I want to remind you guys the episode's being brought to you by Athlete Narrative. I am an ambassador of Athlete Narrative. I would encourage you guys to check out their platform, a very affordable option. If you want your 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 kid or if you're the athlete, if you want to build your brand and reputation to then leverage your name, image, and likeness, check out Athlete Narrative. The link is in the description. You can get 10% off your monthly subscription cost. It's very affordable anyway, but if you sign up through me, you'll be able to get 10% off. I encourage you guys to do it. They're going to help you build your platform so that you can leverage your name, image, and likeness to then monetize that and work to your benefit as an athlete. And if you're a parent, they help protect your athlete so that you can, you know, get away from the dangers of the posts that go out on social media. Cause we all know, you know, certain kids will post certain things and that can hurt their chances at being recruited. It can hurt their brand. It can hurt their reputation. Athlete narrative is providing a platform and a service all in one for everybody to uh, basically protect them from that. So check it out. Athlete narrative. You got the link here in my description for my, uh, to sign up through my link where you can get 10% off. I really believe in their brand. So again, this is an amazing episode for the underdogs. I want to remind you guys to pay attention and take note. If you're a parent, a coach, a player, there are so many golden nuggets out of this one. I left this interview really like going through my own history as not only an athlete, but also as a coach now and the things that I'm going to be doing to be better uh, at that and be more cognizant, more aware of when I'm doing, you know, when I'm coaching uh, the players that are out there that are competing, I want to understand their stories more uh, because if anything that I took from this, you absolutely can't judge a book by its cover. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Uh, welcome to the show. If you are new to the show, I really just want to say thank you for joining us, even if this is your first time listening ever. Like, you've never even heard of me, but maybe you know our guest. I'm really grateful for you guys tuning in. And for those who have been with me for the last seven years as we go on to our eighth year of the show, thanks for being part of the journey. Um, massive shout out to everybody. Like I say every week, the show has now been downloaded in 182 countries and all 50 states. And I'm trying to grow the video platform side of things. That's the one thing I always say if I I don't really have any regrets in life, but from a business side, if I could go back and do things a little bit differently, I would have focused on YouTube a lot earlier in this uh, journey instead of like three years ago instead. I left it dormant forever. Uh, but if you want to follow me on YouTube, we are going to be posting all these videos, all the podcasts on YouTube as we always do. So give me a hit me up with a subscribe over there and uh, help us grow the YouTube platform as well as we're trying to get this out to more and more people um, and share everybody's stories. That's the whole point of the show. So as you guys heard in the introduction as well, we are 
representing Athlete Narrative. That's one of the sponsors of the podcast. So if you guys really want to help build your brand and leverage your name, image, and likeness to get paid, if you're a high school athlete, college athlete, whomever, even if you're young, if you're a parent or a coach, I would highly encourage you guys to check out Athlete Narrative. It's a very affordable option. It's literally like one of the most affordable options I've ever seen. They take care of all the branding for you guys. It will help you with your business platform, everything. They give you educational tools and resources. You get 10% off your subscription each month if you sign up through my link. I'll put the link in the description, but I'm a big believer in them. I don't put my brand with everybody. I'm very cautious and picky of who I connect the Game Time Guru with. Um, I truly believe in Athlete Narrative and what they're all about. So please, uh, if you guys are interested, check it out. The link is in my description if you want 10% off your monthly uh, subscription. So... As we said in the introduction, I came across this guy's story on a on a TikTok post of all things, right? Like, I'm like, hold on a second, what? Like, super inspirational just from the post itself. I'm like, these are the types of stories I want on the podcast. So we're going to allow him to share his story. We're going to get to know him better. His name's Tadek, and uh, so it's Tadek Abid, and we're really excited to talk to him. So Tadek, thanks for joining the show, man. I really appreciate you. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's like... It was really cool to see the comment, and I saw it, and I was like, because I kind of did the post in third person. I was like, oh, shoot, like, I am this guy. Like, let me respond back real quick, because, like, I never had had that happen before. So I was like, oh, and I, I like checked out your page right away. I'm like, oh, this dude's legit. Like, I got to shoot back right away. Dude, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and the post wasn't third person. So it kind of threw me off a little bit at first, but then I was like, oh, yeah. And then I started following you. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is his story. I should have looked more into your profile, but I'm like, this is dope. So this is the type of stuff that I want. As, as, a, as a coach myself, I coach at the club level for 16, 17 years, like the 17U teams and stuff, and we travel across the country. Um, I want these kids to hear your story because there's so many young men and women who are coming up in athletics that might feel like the underdog, uh, but your your story is one of like perseverance and hard work and just belief, and I, I'm a big believer in like sharing these stories to multiple people. So, Todd, let's, let's rewind the clock a little bit and kind of get to know you and uh, your sports background, like growing up. So, Obviously, the sport that we're referring to is basketball, but I want to know about like your early childhood, like when you first picked up a ball and when you became interested in the sport itself. Yeah, so like that's a question that I ask my parents all the time because I cannot remember a time where I wasn't playing basketball. And like I don't mean necessarily for a team, I mean just like at home, dribbling a ball, shooting on the little tight hoop. Like I always had that. Like I can't think like before it. And like I searched through and thankful to my parents like they kept a lot of stuff from when I was young and whether it be on VHS or DVD or digital whatever it may be most of it's on physical media and even pictures I have a lot of that and they kept all my stuff from school so I'd go back and look at kindergarten and I'm like what's your favorite place in the school and I'm like the gym because you play basketball here so really since I was young and I, I didn't just play basketball like I did everything kick the ball with my mom throw the football around my dad but basketball was always the one where, like, the constant is basketball, like, everything. So pretty much my entire life. I always tell people, like, around two. Two is the first I could find any video or pictures of me dribbling or shooting a little ball. Oh, that's so dope, dude. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, starting from a young age, you became very intrigued with the sport. Did you ever, like, watch the game? See, this is the one thing I talked to the kids I coached, Tadek. It's weird because like I'm 35 now. I'm not I don't feel like I'm that old. I'm not like one of the old heads yet as far as like yeah. the old oh, my era of basketball, but like I I feel like I'm talking to a whole I am a whole different generation of people when I'm talking to the 17-year-olds because they're like they don't watch a lot of basketball. 
mm-hmm. um, now. Like I used to just be watching ball all the time. So I'm and I, and I had my favorite players like Vince Carter when he was like early, early in his career and in his prime. I was just like, dude, I loved watching his game. I studied their games. Like I love to watch the game of basketball. Did you grow up watching the game? Did you have anybody that you really cheered for as a young guy? Oh yeah. So like the first memory I have of watching basketball was. So I'm in Virginia and right next to DC, I'm like an hour away. And when I was two, it was Jordan's last year on the Wizards. Oh wow. So my parents went to a couple of games and they actually took me to see one of his last home games. Might have been his last one. And at that event, they were giving out like signed Jordan basketballs. Like he was it was like a big fanfare. And like I like at two, almost as vivid as you could remember, a young memory, that's like a core memory. Going to that game, like I have the ball like framed downstairs in my basement. Like, so I watched it. Like, I remember kind of going and I remember watching a lot of like high school basketball and then NBA. Yeah. So Kobe Bryant was the guy though. like he is him. And when I was younger, Gilbert Arenas, because it was on TV here, those two were like the ones I can like remember. And like Tracy McGrady, that 2000s era, Dirk, Steve Nash, that was when like I was like you said, like I was watching whatever I could. And then I was like reading whatever I could in school or on the Internet. So, yeah, I, I watch it a lot. Dude, no, that's all. You just referenced Gilbert Arenas. I mean, Arenas was a bucket. A lot of guys like don't realize that Agent Zero was a bucket, dude. Like, that guy mm-hmm. could light it up. I actually, I live over here in Idaho, but my favorite team's the Jazz. And so they're about a four and a half hour drive south for us in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I, I would drive down. I go to a game a couple times a year. Just it's fun for me to go to the NBA game. So when I was younger, well, wasn't that young, but Arenas was with the Wizards. And I go down to watch them play, and he lit us up. And they were wearing like their weird uh, alternate uniforms that it was like a, like a gold. Yeah, it was the gold yeah. unis. They're kind of unique, um, but it was a fun game to watch because he was a freaking bucket, dude. Like I love Gilbert Arenas. He's a very underrated name. Like I love mm-hmm. seeing him pop up on the media a little bit more now. He's doing podcasts and stuff, but like nobody really talks about him with like the greats. It feels like he kind of gets pushed to the side. And I'm like, dude, he was he was a bucket when he was going. I mean, when he wasn't in trouble. So like. And he was, he was a stud. So it's cool to see that name too. Um, and then you mentioned reading, dude, I was on ESPN.com like all the time when I was a younger kid, like always reading stuff, highlights and recaps of games, injury reports. I was, I mean, I just, I think it's a different era now. Everybody's like wants the fast consumption of, of everything. And they don't have the attention span to actually sit and watch a game. But I just feel like that's a missing piece. Cause when you watch the game and you love it, it just like, it's just a different, it adds to your skill set. So um growing up though here's here's the funny thing like reading your post yeah your journey through through basketball was not just like the typical oh yeah i was a star player on every team started on this 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 like you kind of had to make your way up so from a competitive standpoint when did you start like when did you want to put like what what was your experience like the first year of playing competitive basketball so the first year and this is great you asked that question because the first year i played is the type of season that makes kids go play another sport, go wrestle, go play soccer, go do karate, don't go play video games. We were Parks and Rec League, very competitive. This is back in the day when AAU wasn't as prevalent for the younger kids, I feel like. And the good AAU teams, like they had to get practice however they could. And what better way than to get free practice time through the local rec system? I played, I was fourth grade. It was the first year my parents worked retail jobs. My mom's been at JCPenney's for 30 years. At the time, my dad was working for Best Buy. So they had no time for extracurricular activities. We didn't have school teams in elementary. So until my dad got 
laid off from Best Buy. They got fired. Really didn't get laid off. They got fired. Playing out in 2009 around. He had time to take me to game. So he sa- I finally signed me up for basketball, which ended up being a big blessing down the road. At the time, they were worried, but it ended up working out. Got to play ball, and we didn't win a game. The regular season's eight games. Uh, playoffs was one. Everybody makes it. 0-9, and we lost the game 64 to nothing to a team. AAU team pressed us the entire game, broke the rules. We're still on eight and a half foot baskets. Like the refs were rigged. Like they knew the ref was the coach's son. And like I, for example, like we scored. Oh, travel. Oh, I scored again. Double drip. Like everything they could do to shut us out, they did. So, and everybody has to play a certain amount of minutes. He played his kids the entire game. So it was extremely rough. But I love the game. So to me, it was. It was fun. Like, hey, I got to score. I got to shoot. I just love being out there. I really didn't care. I cared about winning, but I understood. Like, my dad always used to tell me, like, I was one of the better players on this team. He's like, Michael Jordan couldn't do it alone. And you're not Michael Jordan. You're in fourth grade. So it's okay that you're not winning. Just have fun. That's why you're playing. Like, that type of stuff. So, yeah, the first experience I had was that. Losing. But losing for a – and I didn't win a game till seventh grade. I Not a single gun. So, we lost – Fourth, fifth, sixth, every single game. Every nine games, we lost until seventh grade. Wow, man. And you're not wrong. Like, as you're saying that, like, that literally is exactly what you said. That That's the type of thing that will cause kids to just be like, okay, I'm done. But I want to ask you then, Todd, what, what was the reason that that you decided to keep playing? Like, other kids might drop off and go do something different, realize it's not for them but what was it in your mindset that kept you wanting to keep playing even though the the wins weren't actually coming through i is just i like it's something about basketball like i loved it so much and like it's all i did and and i kind of had that mentality like kobe being my favorite player was like everybody's saying he can't do it with that shack but he found a way he did it no matter how often it looked like he wasn't gonna do it and for me at school like all the kids are roasting me your team sucks you're never going to win. Of course, you're not winning. You're the best player on your team. That's why you're not winning. All this stuff. And I was like, I am determined to win. Like, I put too much work in. I love this game too much to give it up. So to me, it was like, I'm just going to keep playing until eventually I'm going to be so good. No matter who my teammates are, we're going to win. Eventually, I'm going to meet guys and maybe they'll come to my team. Like you make new friends, you go to middle school or at the minimum, I was really worried about me. Like I love the game. I'm going to play. And eventually I'll make a school team where everybody plays. Wreck, not everybody plays. Some they're forced to play, their parents, whatever. That was my mission. Like I wanted to win. I didn't care how many times I lost. So like eventually you're gonna win. Or I love the game too much. So one of those things I'd have to point to is wanting to win and just loving the game. Yeah, I love that, man. That's super cool because your your love for the game was shining through at a very young age. So you kept through and you you know you're thinking long-term eventually there's thing and you were able you were thoughtful enough to understand that there's something coming down the line. Potentially, if you just keep putting in the work here, some kids will filter out when you get into middle school time or era like that, that's where kids are actually wanting to play mm-hmm. it, it. Stuff filters itself out. So you were taking that as a learning experience. That being said, probably not easy uh, for all of us competitors losing that amount of games for, you know, three years, basically it's like, that's tough. That's tough mm-hmm. to like want to keep going. Cause it sucks losing. Losing sucks. Um, it's it's really hard, but you can learn a lot from it. But you mentioned seventh grade, Tadek. You were like, you know, seventh grade, you won a game. Let's talk about your your middle school experience, um, seventh grade basketball. Uh, is this when you got into school ball? Did you guys have school ball in seventh grade over there? 
Yeah, so we did. So we didn't have it in sixth grade, but we did have it in seventh and eighth. So it's a great, great jumping point, I guess, from one to two is like middle school comes. I try out for the team. Didn't make it. Got cut. And a couple of my other, everybody I knew, every every seventh grader, but my best friend at the time, one of the kids, his name was Zayvon, made the team. He was the tallest kid in our school. So, of course, he made it. He was soft at the time. But six foot five in the seventh grade, you're going to make the basketball team. Uh, he made it, but everybody else got cut. So a lot of really good players were playing rec still. So the first time I won a game was because guys were getting cut from middle school. And then in our league, it was like it was like fourth through it was like third through fourth. And then, then once you got to fifth grade, everybody's playing on 10 foot. So it's fifth through sixth, seventh, eighth, and then high school. So now there was a better pool of talent to pick from for the teams. And a couple kids from my school that also got cut but definitely could play got on my team and wrecked. And my dad had been the coach from the previous year because we had a coach. We sucked. Hit The team lost interest, so he couldn't coach no more. My dad was just a parent, picked it up, and ended up coaching us. And he, by that next year, he didn't want to – he wasn't used to losing. He wrestled. So for him, it was all in his control. And he just said, all right, look, we're going to full court press the entire time and we're going to win. You got teammates now, trust them, and we'll figure it out. We ended up winning four games that year. So it was great to win. It was like the biggest burden lifted off of my little seventh grade shoulders, like not making that team that year, anything I could live with. Winning the game, addicted from that point on to winning. Dude, no, like once you figure out how to win, that's when things shift. So I'm glad you said that. But there's so much to unpack there, Tadek. It's like um, for young kids – I've seen it here. We have some local leagues in Idaho. I'm not sure how every state is, but like if they get cut from a team mm-hmm. and they, I mean, it's just like, I'm not sure if everybody has these leagues available and like things that they can go do, but I guess what would your recommendation be for someone if they're a young kid in the middle school era, but who they still believe that they can play, they still believe that they can do their thing, but they need to play to keep mm-hmm. developing. They can't just get cut and then like not play. So what would be your recommendation for those kids who might be going through something similar? Yeah, so my recommendation would be is the old saying is the world is your oyster. And what that means, I guess, in basketball terms is you can always get better. Like go out and work out by yourself. Find a buddy that is equally as passionate as you or close to it and go play one-on-one versus him every day. Go to the gym and and be the worst guy on the court if you can't play in a league. If you can be in a league, great. I don't care if you think you're good for that league or you're not good enough. Go play in a league where you know you can play and know you can develop. Not a, Don't go to AAU right away to be on a good team and pay money to sit the bench and get your confidence shot. Go play in a league that's your level. Work really hard and continue to get better. And just think of the things that, okay, I'm not quick enough and maybe my shot making isn't that good. Well, I'm going to work on those two things. The next year, I'm going to work on those. They're going to be strengths and my strengths are going to be better. I was already a good defender and I was already a good dribbler. And then just take that mindset. Don't just like you said, you can't just stop playing. You got to keep playing, but you also got to play at a level where you can work on those skills you're practicing. I love that. Um, I want people to take note of that. So if you're listening to the show, even if you're a parent or a coach, uh, and you got you got these kids that are, you know, that might not be listening to the podcast, but you can give them some insight. Take note of that. Rewind that. Listen to what Tadek just said there on in regards to what you can do. Um, you'd be amazed if you're an athlete. You'd be amazed at what like three months of consistent work on some skill set, like whether it's dribbling, defense, rebounding, pull-up jumpers, spot-up shooting, 
um, whatever it is for me, I was always a shooter. That's always kind of been what my strength was. I'm a decent defender, at least in the post, but then I was always a good shooter. Uh, I was an elite shooter and I could shoot at a very high rate, especially from three, but I wasn't always that way. It took a lot of work, but you'd be amazed at what like literally three months of consistent time in the gym, whether that's four or five days a week, but we're getting up 500 to a thousand shots a day doing different drills, doing that. My, my level of confidence with the ball, the, my level of confidence in a game, just the everything it changed everything. Cause I was no longer hesitating. I wasn't thinking so much that then it helped me in the other parts of my game. So just understand the importance of just putting in work because three months, like 90 days of putting in work on a specific skill set or two can completely change the trajectory of your, your basketball career. But Tardik, um, going into eighth grade, you had just been cut from the seventh grade. I mean, you go through a year, you're playing your stuff. you learned how to win playing on, on this team. But like, did you go back to the middle school team and say, Hey, like now it's time to go back to middle school tryouts you know, what was your mentality going there and uh, how did that experience go for you? So my mentality was and it really started before the year. Uh, I knew the, the really good players from the year before. They're all in high school now. It's just my age group, just eighth grade. And I knew the seventh grade class was pretty talented, but I, I knew the politics of middle school sports. And I was like, there's no way I don't make this team. I, I got so much better. I got bigger. I got taller. I mean, as you said, I learned how to win. And my skill level, like, I didn't stop playing. I played in the YMCA League. I was all basketball all the time. And I was prepared. And I knew what I had to do to make the team. And everybody at school, like, who'd never had seen me play, still had that stigma of, like, oh, yeah, he, he loves the game. But he's really not that good. He really can't play at that level. And I'm like, y'all don't know that. So I was going to prove him wrong. And I wanted to prove I was tough. So I went out for the football team. And football is huge here in Virginia. We had, for middle school tryouts, 110 kids come out for the team for 43 spots. And I ended up making the middle school team. And I didn't play a whole lot. I wanted to be a quarterback. We didn't pass the ball. So, like, threw me at tight end because I was decently tall. And I did that. And it was a good experience for me because everybody was saying I was weak. I was soft. I never played football before, which was true. But I made that team prove that. So I was riding high. Go to tryouts, playing good. The coaches knew my name, knew my number. We had to wear the, like, little number on your chest during tryouts. And pretty much, like, right before they did cuts where they told you who was going to make the team at the end of the third day, like, they didn't cut by day. And there wasn't a list. Like, they just told you flat out, like, here's who's on the team and gave you no feedback. The head coach wasn't there during the three days for some odd reason. I don't know how you can make a team, but wasn't there. He was kind of just doing it for the extra 3,500. And then the assistant coaches, one of them, kind of seemed like a big shot and he didn't play ball like that. Like not, not as much as me, you probably ever have ever played. And the other assistant coach knew more. And he pretty much told, tells me he's a white guy. He's like, Hey buddy, like really like your game. Like, you know, it's going to be an exciting season. He's pretty much giving me validation. Like you're going to be on the team. We're keeping 12, like whatever, whatever. As soon as they go to the names, like, you know, we, we usually keep 12 players, but this year we're going to keep 11. They start listing off the names and one by one, okay, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next until 11 names have been called. And I'm looking around like, what just happened? That, that I didn't anticipate that to happen. So I get cut again. They, they kept kids who never played basketball before. Kids that literally never played even rec league ball. Kids, I was like, dude, these dudes can't play, but they knew them. Oh, they played football. Oh, they played baseball. Like, it was what other sports 
oh yeah, their dad coaches baseball, his dad coaches soccer, they're buddies. He's on the team. I was like, how did so now me and a couple of other guys that really could hoop aren't on the team. And I'm looking around like, what just happened? So it was like another shot to the gut right there. I was like, wow, I didn't expect that one. Like what, what were your emotions? Cause like, it actually makes me sick in the pit of my stomach to understand that because in ninth grade I didn't get cut, but it was a cut. I got put on the C team in ninth grade. I was an A team, eighth grade, all stuff, but I went to a different high school than I was wanting to go to it was, you know, politics happened and I just wasn't as good as everybody else at the end of the day. And I remember the feeling of my stomach, Kodak, which was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't play on the C team. I went and I did something different. I went to personal training and it was a whole different story at my ninth grade year, but I didn't play my ninth grade year because of that. And, uh, I remember just being like, dude, you want to cry. You want to be like, you want to piss and moan about it. Like there's a lot of like, you're embarrassed. There's like a pride thing that hits at least for me. So I want to know for you, like when your name wasn't called after putting in all this work, what were your initial emotions? Like I was, I was like, I had a couple of guys were crying and I was like, I'm not going to do that because I almost couldn't feel like I was like numb. Like I was like, is there's no way I just didn't make this team. Like, if I didn't make this team, how am I going to the NBA? How am I going to make it into high school? Like, what in the world could happen? I was, like you said, like, sick to my stomach. I was, I honestly just felt, like, embarrassed and, like, really upset. Like, I was angry. I was, like, angry because I literally given everything, and there was nothing more I could have done at that time. And the craziest part was I – earned the respect of the other students like the guys that thought I couldn't play after tryouts even though I got cut they were like no this this guy really can play like we were wrong about him like he really can hoop and why didn't he make the team and then now I'm like embarrassed like I could hoop why am I not on the team like I'm an honorable student all this other stuff and yeah dude I, I, I was embarrassed I was just angry like anger was the number one one because like you said I put in all that work for nothing it seemed like yeah, dude. God, man. And there's there's a lot of kids there that people don't they're the unspoken ones. That's the ones we don't hear stories of, but they they go through that. And a lot of them, Tarek, they just don't play anymore. And it mm-hmm. actually like breaks my soul for them because there's people that have a lot of talent, like yourself. They're they're they have a lot of talent. And the situation for one reason or another is just not working in their favor. But like so many of them, they do exactly what you said about like the fourth graders, right? Like they just end up just, okay. I mean, at this point, eighth grade, I'm not going to make it. So that means high school, I probably won't make it. So that's what their mindset goes to. And they just stop playing when, if they had like, you know, it's just a, it's a sad situation. There's so many of them. So I'm sure there's people that have listened to this, maybe a parent, like if you're going through this, keep listening to the story, but I want to ask you to follow up on that. Um, what were the next steps that you took after you kind of got over I mean, it's hard to get over it, but like once you kind of processed everything, how long did it take you to get back in the gym? I mean, it was instantaneous. It was like the next day I'm in the gym with a vengeance. It was like that entire season because the rec league games are all like on the weekends or afternoon and the middle school games were during the day. So a lot of these guys were still playing rec. So it was like, I had a list. I'm like, okay, Cameron made the team. We play Cameron. I'm cooking Cameron. Okay. Jonathan made the team. He sucks. He plays baseball. I'm cooking Jonathan. I had a vendetta against, and some of them were my friends. I had a personal vendetta. And it was like, okay, what are, what could they might see in this guy they didn't see in me, like beyond politics? And there wasn't much of that. But I was like, all right, I got to get better at everything. But I, at the same time, I know I have to bring to the table. So I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to work. Because in high school, we're going to different high schools. 
I will not only make the team, but I'm going to win some games and I'm going to prove to all these guys in the long run, I'm going to come out on top. Because I just knew, I just knew once I saw how it worked and how when politics gives you stuff and when situation gives you stuff, you tend not to work as hard when it's all given. But when you have to work, you get what you deserve because you put in the work some of the time. You get at least better. You can improve your game. So I was like, I'm going to in the gym. I'm going to cook these guys in rec. And then in high school, two, three years later, they're going to remember me. They're not going to remember this. They're going to remember me for going against their team and, and beating their team. So that it was like right away, dude. So cool, man. Get it, get right back to it. And honestly, that's, it's hard. I, I remember when I lost my, my last boxing match that I actually competed in. I remember the feeling of like, cause I got my head smashing pretty good that day, uh, ruptured my eardrum, hurt my face. Like I lost the decision, but I remember going into the locker room and one of my fellow team members who had just gotten beat too. Cause he gave, he quit in the middle of his fight and I was in a pissy mood cause I fought through the whole fight, got beat up pretty good, but I finished the fight and he didn't. And I remember him being like, I mean, he's in his twenties at the time. And he was like, he's like, are, you, are we going to fight next weekend? Are we going to do a tournament next week? We got to get back at this. And I'm sitting there like broken. I was like, I don't even want to step inside of ring right now. I don't want to step inside. I'm so pissed off. I'm like, I was so mad at how everything went. So it was like hard for me to get back mm -hmm. to training yeah. because I didn't want to be there. And I think it's the same. Like I, I, I can feel like a lot of athletes might not have that mentality that you had of like getting back in the gym because it's hard. You get it cut. Is. You almost like despise having a ball in your hands and you don't even want to go into it. Like the whole feel of a gym, the smell of a gym just pisses you off. But I want to reiterate this, like the importance of doing what you did rather than what I did, which was taking a couple weeks off. Like, from boxing when you got cut you had a mission and you got back in and that's like i want people to remember that's that's the important thing get back in there and and get to work and i think it's easier said than done obviously but you did the right thing there by obviously you did the right thing because it's worked out but we're going to get to that um it's not easy but it is possible um you mentioned going to different high schools so now that the the listeners have an understanding of your story and myself included like fourth grade all the way up through eighth grade now, now we're getting into high school. This is like a, a tough transition point for a lot of young kids, whether they're athletes or not. But high school is just hard in general for some. Mm -hmm. But when you go in there and then you include sports, my ninth grade year was a huge, it was a pivotal moment for me. I had to go to a different high school that I didn't want to go to initially. I knew I was going to the next high school the following year, but because we were overcrowded in our schools, we had everybody was funneled into this school or that school. And then the next year it was reopening over to the other one. So it was a disaster for me, my ninth year, grade year. I want to know, Tadek, how the high school transition worked for you and how the, the basketball scene worked for you here. Let's talk about ninth grade. So it was an oddly similar story. So in my area, we have five high schools, and two of them are within eight minutes of my house, equal distance. If you live on the right side of the road, you go to Chancellor. If you live on the left, you go to Riverbend, like literally like that, cut and dry. Neighbors go to different schools. It's how it is. I think I'm going to Riverbend. That there's some kids giving me a hard time going to Chancellor, and Riverbend is a bigger school, so they're 6A. They had a freshman team. Chancellor had a JV. Chancellor's wow. demographic was, I would say, they were better at basketball in general at that time. Riverbend was good, but they were better, and the kids that went there were more known to be athletes compared to Riverbend where Riverbend yeah they had their athletes but there was more kids and because of that there was more opportunity at least 
that's how I perceived it as a young kid. And I had gone to some camps. Chancellor is a very underfunded school, and they didn't really run too many camps. Riverbed had a lot of camps because they were a newer school. They had more funding. I'd go there. I was playing in front of their coaches. Like, they were recruiting me to go there kind of as a freshman, as an eighth grader. They were like, they're players, they're coaches. Like, my uncle had taught there, so I had a really good in. One of my cousins went there. So I'm like all in Riverbend, all in Riverbend. Two of my best friends are going there. I'm all in. Like I went to their orientation, everything. And my parents, like, in order to transfer schools, you have to have a valid reason or an address. And my grandparents happened to live literally right next to the school. So I'm like, everything legally is inbound. And kids are transferring all the time illegally. So I'm like, I'm doing everything the right way. I'm going to be fine. It's not what happened. And literally... A week before school, maybe two weeks, like my dad just came home from a meeting with the principal at that school. Like, you're not going there. I'm like, Why not? Everything went through. Like, we changed the address, like for my grandparents' house, everything we had to do. Like, I have valid reasons. Like, I literally got suspended for getting in a fight with the kid calling racial slurs. Like, what, what more do they want? Like, even academically, they had more of the classes I wanted to take. My dad's like, nah, the principal was going to give you a hard time if you went there. So you got to go to Chancellor. And I'm, I've been going off-season workouts, everything. And you know how important that is in high school ball, like with Riverbend oh, yeah. for basketball and football. And my head, I like went to my basement and just cried. Because I'm like, this, this is it. Like, there's no way everything that could go wrong is going wrong, even in school, apparently. I don't know what's the deal. I go to Chancellor, like first day, I don't even have a home room because I wasn't in the system. I had been transferred in the system to Riverbend. And we didn't even know about open gym. Finally, my dad got a hold of the athletic director like a week before school. I started going and and uh, I go to high school. I go to first open gym and dude, I got like dismantled like from the guys that were there and they weren't even the best players. It was like the bench guys, like the sophomores going to be juniors. They like had a field day with me. Imagine getting thrown in the fire like it had it was crazy. And I was like. Okay, like this is this is pretty hard. This is a different level. These guys are more athletic. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. And I don't know any of them. Like even the kids my age were used to running the offenses because they've been doing it all summer. And nobody told me. I didn't know about it. So it took me a little bit to get accustomed to it. God dang, dude. This is what people don't understand if they're not like the whole everything outside of the sports like your transfer stuff like that is a toll on your mental health your like spiritual well-being your fit like i mean that's so stressful and people think oh they just just go play the sport you'll be fine wherever you go no dude there's so much more that goes into like going to a different school the politics that are involved you've already made your case over here doesn't go through i see that happen so often now it's unbelievable and so i feel you on that because and then like i said dude when I was going to high school, it wasn't even a sports decision. I just wanted to go to the school that all the kids that I went to middle school with were going to. Mm-hmm. I literally went to the school and we had the same concept. We lived on the street. We were the borderline. We had to go 20 minutes away to a different school than the school that I went and I graduated from, which was five minutes away from my house. It's just wild how the boundaries worked, but um, it, it sucked, dude. Like it wrecked me. I didn't, I didn't have friends there. I didn't care to go to that school. I hated it. It's probably the worst year of high school ever of, of my life. It was like a very bad year for me. So anyway, I feel you on that. So 
getting cooked in, in open gyms and everything and knowing no kind of like what it was going to be like the stress load, what, and they only had a JV program. You said they didn't have a freshman team. You said, nah, no, freshman so team. You, your, your spots are limited. Um, then how did, I mean, did you go to tryouts? Did you even decide to try out? Like how did that go uh, when basketball season came around? So I went to like every open gym. I worked like every day when I wasn't an open gym, I was working either outside or going to the gym and working out and just trying to work on everything I knew. Like, I kind of came to terms with like, okay, most of these guys coming are varsity guys. That's where the talent gap lies. I'm only going to be on JV. And I knew majority of the JV guys and the guys I didn't know, I played against in middle school. And I was like, at least in rec ball and stuff. So I was like, okay, I have a good grasp on who the good players are. And I'm way closer to them. I'm like, but if I keep going to these, I'm going to get better. Like, I'm not going to suck forever. And what I didn't know was the first open gym, the head coach for varsity sees me. He tells his son who like graduated from there and was like a year out of high school. Dude, that kid is never going to make a team here. Like he's going to get cut for sure. Like he just had an intuition. Like this dude sucks. Like who is he? He had never seen me before. And like first judgment, you never seen a kid. They come in there kind of timid. And like you said, like you're comparing a little freshman with no school ball experience to your varsity players, of course he's going to suck. And I was tiny. I was like, so I'm skinny now. I was skinnier then. I end up going to every open gym, trying out. And I actually made the team. So I made JV. We only had 12 players. I ended up making the team. And I didn't find out that they thought I was going to get cut until like way, way later. Like way later, I found out that. Because he, I coach with him now. And he told me the story. After, he actually left coaching. And then I had a different coach for two years. But I'll t- talk about that later. But, um, yeah, so he told me about that, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I proved you wrong. So, yeah, the, the year ended up working out basketball. Now, I didn't play much. I mean, there was like six games in a row I never got in, but I made the team, and I got to practice, and I got way better because of it. And I played, scored, had fun, so made a lot of friends as well. So it did turn out in a positive way for you getting onto the actual team, which is – that's hard to make the JV like, team as a – you're a freshman, new new life, and then you had – which you found out later, you got yeah. coaches that are doubting you already from judging a book by its cover. That's very common. Um, I'm going to share. I'm glad you shared that. If you mm-hmm. are a coach listening to this right now, I'm going to encourage you. I don't care how long you've been coaching either. Like I'm going to encourage you to like really, really take a step back during tryouts. I hate tryouts, by the way. It's the most nerve wracking thing ever for an athlete. Um, even if you're a really good athlete, you, you know, you're going to make the team. It's just kind of a nerve wracking couple of days. It's weird. But even on the club circuit, for AAU, I think one of my one of my best moves I ever made was making sure that I went into it as a coach because I had to start picking teams and it sucks. Like I had to start picking players and, and letting them know. But there was a kid that I, I I had to ask. I was like, "Who is this kid? Where does he play high school ball at?" And uh, you know, one of the other players was like, "Oh, he's he's on the JV team over at this school, but he doesn't play much." I'm like, "Oh, I don't care about that. I just want to know where he goes to school because he's good. Like he was out there hooping." And he became one of my best. He was my starting point guard by the end of the club season. And he was the most productive player. And in fact, still to this day, he still hoops. That kid can hoop. And like he's a freshman in college now. He doesn't play college basketball. He got cut his senior year in high school oh, wow. uh, from the school team. But he played club ball and did extremely well. And now he's just, you know, he hoops rec leagues and stuff and plays. And he's a firefighter. But like he comes and plays with me when he's in town. And like the kid can hoop. And so it was my biggest thing there was I learned a big lesson, Todd, which was don't judge a book by its cover. Like t- when you go to tryouts as a coach, 
look at everybody individually. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care what your status was at your school. Every school is different. Now, when you come into a new group, I'm looking at it across the board. Everybody's equal. And it was the biggest thing that like I had ever learned for myself. And I just encourage all the other coaches to do that. So freshman year, not a lot of playing time. Let's talk about sophomore year for you. So sophomore year, I built off of freshman year and I, dude, I got so much better and I played on a good AAU team. Uh, I was the only like white kid on the AAU team. So it was an inner city team, but it was a great experience because I got to play against like really good competition. And I was used to playing against grown man, good comp, even though people, I might not have had the greatest career so far. I had done the things to put myself at that level. Like if I couldn't get it in school, Oh, I was getting it playing against the grown men in, in the Y or at the park. So I played with a good AU team, Fredericksburg Heat, and made some good friends that I still know to this day and that I got to play against in high school and stuff and even played with throughout AAU uh, and got a lot of development and kept going to open gym and now was a vet. And going to that season, that might have been the only time in my career where I knew for a fact I was not going to get cut. Like every other year, even junior and senior year of high school, there was some worry there because of things that we'll, we'll eventually get to, I'm sure. But because it's part of the story, but like I was rolling, I knew what was going on. And the only negative part about that year was we, the assistant coaches, so the head coach's son, guy named Ryan, good guy, still know him to this day. He was the assistant for JV, my freshman year. And he really liked me. He was playing ball at a D3 school called Mary Wash, and his schedule had gotten so busy that he couldn't coach my sophomore year. So we hired on this assistant coach, a guy named uh, Coach Ainsworth, who's I actually coach for his AAU program now. He ends up, like a week before the season, a week before tryouts, getting hired to be the head coach of one of the other school's varsity teams. So now we have to pull like a volunteer to be the assistant. And this dude hated me. Like I thought he had liked me because he knew my parents from, or knew my dad from back in the day and like my granddad from their store, but he had something against me. I think it had rooted from coaching against my dad and rec ball and stuff. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of, I, I honestly suspect as I get older, a little bit of racism in terms of me being Arabic. And I don't, I honestly don't think he liked Arabic people just judging off of what I heard later down the road. I'm not going to label anybody, but if I had to guess that was the deal because I was the only Arabic person on the team. And the head coach at the time for JV, like, really liked me. So he would start me, and he would tell me to go in. And then I would – but he was so worried about the game, I would go to sub in, and the assistant guy named Coach Vinny, I don't even want to call him a coach, he would just tell me, like, no, nah, like, you're not going in. Kobe's going in. No, you're not going in. Matt's going in. I'm like, dude, coach is telling me to go in the game. Like, no, I'm the coach. Okay, I'm going to listen. So we start – like a couple of things happened and I ended up, we're going to JV championship. And I started the three games leading up to it. Like we won a game by 30, another game by 30 and another, and like, yeah, another two, two 30 point wins. And like the last game of the year, I didn't even play that much because we were winning by so much. And I was one of the guys who was like, I started the year off like six man. I didn't even start, but I got playing time in every game no matter what was the crazy stuff going on, like I still found my way in the game. So we go to the JV championship versus a team we beat twice. And the, we beat them twice. Both times I played majority of the game. I didn't get in. And we lost two of our best players to grades. Two of our best players who I play the same position or similar positions as. I don't play the entire game. 
The entire game, I don't get it. Every other player got in but me. And that was, I think, in my basketball career, somebody that played in college and has tried out for an NBA team or a G League team. I think about that moment, like, all the time. Like, how did that happen? But how did that mold me into, like, the player I ended up becoming? Like, that, like, broke me, but also made me, like, 15 times stronger as a player. Because it was like getting cut all over again. Like, I put in all that work, proved it all year long, just to see my team lose. And I could do something about it. I'm on the team. I've done it in games. I'm get, it's like I'm getting teased and I'm watching the team fail and they all want me in the game and the guys is not putting me in the game. And I'm just like, dude, like what is go? What Twilight Zone episode am I in? That's how my did, sophomore did, year went. Did you get an explanation from said coach? So my dad asked them after my mom tried to throw a shoe at him and my oh, dad boy. grabbed the shoe out of her hand, thankfully. And uh, the assistant coach and my dad asked them like, dude, like he cussed them out pretty much and was like, hey, like, and my dad never talks to coaches because he coaches, he knows how it is. Like, never, ever, never once in my career did he ever talk to a coach. But he told he cussed his assistant out after the game, and the guy's like, oh, we forgot. Then he asked the head coach. He was like, he's like, Coach Cogger, like, why did my son, like, why did Ty not get in the game? Like, he's like, this is a true response. And I, if he watches this, Coach Cogger, I love you. But he tells my dad, he probably won't even remember it. He told my dad. Todd didn't get in the game. <laughs> and my dad, right? That my dad was like, just didn't say nothing. He's like, nah, he, he didn't get in. Like, you know, you lost, doesn't matter. But he, yeah, he didn't get in. Like, that was it. Like, he, I thought he got in. My dad's like, nope. So he didn't even know I didn't get in the game. Like, that that was the explanation I got. Like, he had thought I was in the game. He didn't realize I didn't get in. It, I guess in the heat of the moment, it got kind of lost. Man, that's a so up into this point, middle of your high school career, you are no stranger to adversity, um, ups and downs, the mental, like the psychological warfare of politics and athletics, especially at that level, just the heartbreak, not understanding. Uh, I would argue it's probably poor coaching that happens a lot, um, lack of communication from coaches, which is highly unfortunate. We need to change that. So you're going into your junior year, ending your sophomore year like that. Uh, let's talk about this because like, I want, I know people are gonna be like, why are we going step by step? Because it's part of the journey. This is what I, this is not like you said, broken product. Like you said, that broke you like that is, it would break most people. And that's all I'm going to say. Most people are not mentally strong enough to even want to like, what, what are you doing going into your junior year? So talk to us about how junior year happens. So the best thing that ever could have happened, happened. And it was two things. One, I was going to go play for the varsity. At the, I thought I was going to go play for the varsity coach who was graduating everybody. It was going to be a clean slate. And his coaching style and his offense, like, I meshed really well with his beliefs. That's one. So an open gym, everything's going super good. Two, the real best thing that ever happened was my dad started up his own AAU team, again, out of necessity. The Fredericksburg Heat team I played for before got in legal trouble over the name. So me and a couple other guys from the team had nowhere to play. And my dad pretty much started a team, got a couple of the guys from the high school on it. We're called Spotsy Splash. And somehow, I don't know how he did it, never coaching AAU before, got us versus a lot of really good teams. And that was the first time I think other people realized my dreams 
were way closer to play college ball than they thought. Like, we played against the Nike EYBL team that had 31 points. And he was like, he told me, he tells me this day, like, that was the first time I knew you could go play in college. So he made an offense around me. I played with two of my high school teammates and local guys that I knew really well. I played with my cousin for the only time in my career. He lived in three hours away from me. He was like a six-foot center, but best screens in the world, best rebounder in the world uh, that I ever played with. So it was just a great experience. And, like, we didn't win many tournaments, but we had a winning record. And we lost to Bradley Beal Lee, uh, River City Rain, uh, Team Loaded, New World. Every good – we actually beat New World one time, though. We lost to many of these great teams, but I got to play against Cole Anthony, Mac McClung, Isaiah Todd, a lot of good guys who are in the league right now. And I really got to prove to myself, oh, I could hoop. And, th- and that's really what I did going into my junior year. That's how I kind of got built back up. Ooh, this is great. So with AAU, Todd, I, I, since I coach on the club circuit, I this is great. When you're going up against top talent, because we get the opportunity, our, our club is called Idaho Premier, where, where I coach. I've been coaching there for three years. And we, we go on the, you know, we're on the grassroots circuit. But like we're, when we go to California, Arizona, Vegas, Portland, um, Seattle, we play against some really, really good programs. Mm-hmm. And some of the kids shy away from it, but there's some that level up like yourself. I guess what advice, if I could, maybe if some of my players are listening to this right now, what advice would you give them when you're going up against top-level talent? Because AAU has such a potential to help you elevate your game if you allow it to do so. You have mm-hmm. to put in the work. So how did you like mentally elevate your game during this offseason with the AAU, the AAU club? So the number one thing I'll say is don't run from it. Don't run from it. You got to take the bull by the horns. Like you got to live for that. If you don't live for the moment to go against that guy you see on TV and in the rankings, quit. Go do something else. This ain't for you. If you want to go play in the NBA, you want to go play in college, you got to. And if you're not in that mindset yet, grow into it. And the number one thing is, and I tell my brother this, I tell the players that I coach this, not only in AAU, but even the high school players, like, hey, that kid, he might be as good as advertised. But I guarantee you one thing. Y'all both put your pants on the same way. Y'all both tie your shoes the same way. Y'all are both breathing the same air. You're using the same ball and you're playing on the same court. And as long as all those things are even, anybody can win. And anybody can prove, hey, I'm just as good as you, no matter what the rankings say. Man, I love that. If anyone follows like MMA, Conor McGregor said something that was like, he's, they were like, hey, are you scared of Jose Aldo or something? This is back in the day when he was about to fight Aldo. And he's like, I fear no man. Like he, he's like, I fear no man. If if you breathe oxygen, it's fair game. And it's the same concept, right? Like I think that I just, I'm going to leave it at that. I think what you just said, Tadek is like the perfect, perfect explanation for those kids. So thank you for that. If you guys heard that, take note, you got to elevate, you got to live for that moment. And honestly, they're human too. That's the thing mm-hmm. is sometimes we, we look at these other athletes and we we're like, man, they're not human. No, they're human. Just like you and I, they tie their shoes the same way. They do all that stuff. The same thing you just said. And uh, you'd be surprised when you get out on the court with them. Yeah, they might be pretty good, but you can be too. They're human. So, so Tadek, as you go into your junior year after having an awesome club season, you did. So you mentioned you have like you you rebuilt yourself, but you mentioned earlier that this was maybe a year you thought you were going to get cut. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So the head coach, guy named Coach Rob, who I coach with now, he's now the varsity coach at Chancellor again. He left because he had young kids and he really spent not much time with them. So he wanted to dedicate more time to his own kids. And we'd had two pretty bad years in high school. So I think he kind of saw like, okay, the team is sucking and I'm not spending any time with my family. So let me go spend time with my kids. Like I'm sure he needed a break and 
he left. He, he made a decision for himself, like, hey, like, I love you guys. I love this school, but I got to do what's best for me and my family. And, like, I got to spend time with my kids. Like, they're playing sports now. My daughter plays volleyball. My son and daughter play basketball. Like, I got to spend time with them. So he leaves. And I ended up playing football my junior year. Uh, three of my good friends from high school, two of them are in the NFL. And the other one, uh, he was a starting quarterback at Jackson State this year, a guy named Jason Brown. So I, like, worked out with him all summer. And I wanted to play football like those guys. So I played football as backup quarterback. So open gyms and stuff, like, the assistant coaches were running. And I would go whenever they allowed football players to go, which wasn't often. But we didn't fill a head coach. We assumed the assistant coach was going to get the head coaching job. The issue was him and the athletic director had beef. So he didn't get the job. So he applied for it. So they interviewed him. They interviewed him. They interviewed a guy named Coach Booth who ended up getting the job. And he'd coached for a long time. He's from New York and big AAU guy. And he coached some private schools in Virginia. And then my dad. So those were the final three candidates. And we knew it wasn't going to be the assistant coach. So it was between my dad and Coach Booth. And they picked Coach Booth, who I thought was going to be good because he was like a savant of the game been around it for like 30, 40 years. He was an underdog story himself. He had a book talking about himself. If that tells you anything where this is going to go, uh, he was very big into his story and and how things went for him. And I took it as inspiration. Like I had a signed book before he was ever my coach. Before I ever knew he was going to be my coach, I had this guy's signed book. So I'm thinking things are going to be good. What I didn't realize was is that he didn't know the public school scene. And honestly, he just picked every black kid that came to trials. That's what happened. Like, he didn't know these guys couldn't hoop. This isn't like New York, bro. Like, you got to – just because they look good don't mean they're good. He picked every tall kid, every black kid, didn't care about white kids. And he, like, literally would say it. Like, he said it without saying it. Not like he didn't – he had white kids in the team, but, like, I, as honest as I could be, that's what he did. So, I'm on the t- – I think I'm going to make the team. And he calls me to tryouts. He's like, look, I think, Todd, you could be an all-conference player. I think you could lead a team to a winning record. But not this team, because you don't play my brand of basketball. You shoot threes, and you're, but you and your father didn't AAU. was great. You almost beat me, and I haven't lost to a local team in seven years. But I'm not running any offense through any player, especially not you. <laughs> he said, but you're a good kid, and I respect you. So come to tryouts. Come to practice tomorrow. You didn't make the team. But if you come to practice tomorrow, we're going to check grades. And if your grades are better than these three guys, I'm not going to tell you. But in my head, then you'll be on the team. You'll be a member of the team because I can't deny you that. So I'm calling my dad. My dad is fuming because, like, we played in this guy's tournaments. Like, we were excited. Dude is a buffoon, like, in terms of making decisions. Like, I was like, who tells a kid that? Like, hey, you're, I think awful. you're an all-conference player, but not for me. I'm looking around like, dude, what's going on? I, again, Twilight Zone Part 2. I go to trials the next day or practice, I should say. Give him my report card. Looks at it passes it around to the whole team. like, up, oh, Todd's on the team. So he pretty much put me through a loop for no reason because I made the team anyway. And he tells me, I'm like, Coach, I really appreciate it. He's like, Todd, you're never going to play, like, ever. Like, this is step one. Like, you have to unlearn all the bad things. You shoot too many threes. You're too this. You're too that. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, whatever. By the second scrimmage, I was the sixth man. I ended up being the sixth leading scorer that year, so – I guess he realized we had a lot more in common than he thought. Wow, man. I'm I'm learning so much about just coaching in general. There's so much that sports can teach you. And coaching is one of them. Having to deal with different styles of coaching. My gosh, dude, based on your story so far, like that's 
you're set up for the perfect world. If you ever had a boss to report to or anything like you can figure it all out. Cause you've seen a million different personalities, six leading score. You're the sixth man. How did your high school season wrap up for you, Tadek? We lost in the regional playoffs. We played a seven footer, uh, seven, two guy at school called Huguenot. They had four division one players, but I had like seven points in the regional and our team had never made the regionals in like once in school history. So it was great to be in the record books, even though we lost. And it was good to show a foundation that, like you said earlier, some players shy away from good comp. When I got the opportunity and when he put me in the game, I rose up and every, and again, it was like a good foundation for the next year. Like, oh, I could hoop with these guys. Those guys you might think are a little bit better than me. Maybe they're not. Because if you can't produce at that level during when the lights are on, you're not better than me if I can produce. I don't care how good you are in practice. Dude, so cool. Dude, this is such an amazing story. And when uh, when when did the time come, though? Like, all of this, people are probably listening. They probably know by now, like, okay, the story still goes on. But I want to know, when did you even realize that you could play at the next level? And how did you even start getting recruited if, if like, you're not getting tons of minutes? You're not the star player on the team, so to speak. You don't necessarily have the the best relationship with the coach. Maybe it was getting better, but, like, just those are a lot of things stacked against you. How did you go about the recruitment process and finding a school to play at? So I had something that is invaluable and that is parents that believe in you. A lot of these kids and a a parent that was willing to learn the game, a game he was foreign to, he was willing to learn. And he knew like people might've called him crazy, but he's like, no, my boy can hoop, but he wasn't delusional about it. He just saw me going to the gym. He saw my work ethic. And he, look, if there was a local camp and within reason and he could do it, he took me. If there was a combine, he took me. But it it had nothing to do with the money he spent with AAU, which he spent a lot of money giving inner city kids an opportunity and giving me an opportunity to play basketball, driving us to games, paying for our meals, paying for their uniforms. Like, dude, we were getting no money. He felt bad for him. Like, hey, the fees for teams are $800. We only charge $300 and players couldn't even afford $150. He just said, nope, don't give me any money. If you can't afford 150, I'm not going to take your money. He went down $10,000 in the drain just to coach AAU for two years. And that helped a lot. Now, it wasn't the money, but it was when for me specifically, we emailed every coach in America. We made really good highlight films. He allowed me to understand my flaws, and he never lied to me. He never told me, you're perfect. Don't get better. No, you have to get better. No, you have to lift weights. And he also let me know, like, hey, high school's not working well for you, but AAU is where the money's at, and this is where players get recruited from. And, and that's really where it came from is, is from him and, and from the ability to not give up on myself and understanding, like, hey, if I can compete with Cole Anthony or Mac McClung and I can play on the same court as them, why can't I play in uh, college? Dude, shout out to your pops, man. That's so, so cool, and I love that you mentioned it's invaluable because a parent that believes in you, man – Seriously, take note. I hope everyone takes note of that. So when you finally got your opportunity at the next level, what was that transition like? Because, I mean, we talked about transition from elementary to middle school when you got, like, finally try out in seventh grade, but then also going the transition to high school. But what was the transition like to the college scene? Yeah, so my transition to college was I only had, like, four offers out of high school, and they were from – a D3, a D2, which the D2 was developmental. Another D, 
D2 Kataba, which offered me late. But again, theirs was like a swing developmental roster spot type deal, but no scholarship money. And then a school called Midland, where I ended up going, and they offered me a scholarship to come play. They were in Nebraska. I took a visit out there. So because in high school, like my senior year was a roller coaster, like some games I'm starting, some games I'm getting suspended because we're down by 50 and I'm telling coach to put me in the game, please, because I hate to see my team lose. Nobody give an effort. He was a, had an ego, didn't like that. I wanted to get in. And even though I was team captain, made an example out of me rather than the kids that disrespected him. And it was what it was. We laugh about it now. It's all good and good fun because I ended up having the last laugh. But after that, all those things built me up for college. When you go to college, it's tough. And you are now like the smallest guy on campus. Like the big fish? Oh, dude, you're the littlest fish on campus. Again, it was like high school over again. Everybody was good. Everybody's dunking. Everybody's quick. Everybody's fast. But because I was used to it, I was able to persevere. My grades were good. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't party. I was in the gym every day. I was around the program. I helped any way out I could. And even there was times, dude, I didn't even have a practice jersey. Like I had to watch practice because NAI school small. They have 20 guys practice and they don't need 25. So we got some retro guys, guys that they have there just to see if they were good or not. I'm sitting watching practice and I just talked from the sideline. Eventually I got a practice jersey. When I did, I did the best I could in my little reps. Now I'm getting full reps. Okay, now I'm getting a game jersey. Oh, but now I'm getting a couple minutes. Oh, now I'm scoring. So that was my training. But because I was used to it in high school, not being the guy, when everybody else on my team was all state, thousand point score and I wasn't those guys dropped off and uh, I'm going to this school up I'm not going to play no more it was not new to me I was used to it dude I love it your mentality it's like it was just building throughout the course of your entire career it's been building 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 so that transition wasn't hard for you but one thing you mentioned there that I would like everyone to understand is that you mentioned you know sitting out you were still talking from the sideline dude you don't just sit there and piss and moan you're you're contributing in some form or fashion you've got to make yourself known and that's what you were able to do. You had the skill set to play. It's just yeah. getting there to take advantage of your opportunity. You have to find a way to do it. You were still communicating, still contributing. What was your favorite example, or sorry, favorite experience rather uh, in college throughout your college career, Tadek? So my favorite experience is also the most bittersweet. And it was like, I was there and like, it was every year it was a battle. Every year was a battle. We spent a lot of time talking about like my younger career because that helps build the story. And like, I know we've been talking for a while, so I want, I'll say it like as concise as I can. And it's like, every year was a new year that I had to reprove myself. I wasn't from Nebraska. So when we went home for summer, I'm going home and I'm working out at home. I can't work out with the team. I'm not a Nebraska guy. I'm already, and the way college politics are run at the small college level, there's a lot of politics. So every year they're recruiting to replace you. Every year they're recruiting to replace you. So every year I'd start off getting replaced and having to work my ass off again through everything. And then this was during COVID. So my first year, no COVID. We got sent home early because of COVID. The COVID year screwed it up. We only played like six games my sophomore year. I had COVID twice. It was like terrible. They had to send me back home. That's how sick I was. My junior year, I tore my meniscus. And again, like I didn't have a game jersey. I had to work my way up. I had to be the assistant coach for the JV team. But again, anything I could do to stay around the game, I did. Because I could always see the benefits in it. And then finally, my senior year, like, and this is the crazy thing. Like I say, it's bittersweet. They tell me, I'm like, hey, like, I didn't, we got a brand new coach in. The old coach got fired. This guy, guy named Coach Irwin, came from uh, University of Nebraska, Omaha, Division One school. Uh, and I asked pretty much, like, he wanted me to be uh, a coach. He wanted to be assistant coach. Like, look, dude, like, 
really haven't played much, but you love the game. Like we kind of want you to, we th- we'd rather you instead of busting your tail in practice and saying all the right things to say the right things from the sideline and help us out behind the scenes because you do so much of that already. And I was like, nah, dude, like, I want to play. Like, I don't care. Like maybe one day I want to play. And he's like, Hey, if that's your wish, you, you can, we'll let you do a little bit of it, but we're not going to fool you, immerse you into the coaching realm. If you want to play, you can play. But again, like we can, I was graduating early. So he knew I didn't have much time left on campus, but the last two games in my career, I, I went in the office. Am I ever going to play? Like I asked the assistant coach and he's like, you will dress this year and, and we're, you'll get some sort of shot. Can't, no guarantees. You're going to dress. You will play a little bit because you're a senior. We want to reward you. And, and, and again, like, you know how it is in college. You like everybody can play, even if you're at the end of the bench, especially at a small school. Yeah. They, they put me in like three minutes. I didn't start, but I, they put me in like three minutes in the game and we're up by four. I check out of the game and we're up by 16. I got in, I had a three, everybody's going crazy. And I ended up finishing the game with like five rebounds, four or five assists, three steals, three points. The next game, again, they didn't start me because how are you going to have a guy who's not playing much start all of a sudden, I guess. They put me in a minute in the game. First three, boom. Next three, air ball. But again, I check out the game and we're up by, we were tied, ended up being up by 24. I check in the game, second half, like beginning of the second half, had eight points in a row. I had a three, boom, got a stop, came back down, had a pull-up jumper, boom, came back down. We mit- we got like a fast break. I passed it up, boom, the guy missed a layup. The center grabs a rebound. He kid could dunk. Instead of going up to dunk it, everybody in the crowd is like chanting. I'm like wide open. They're all pointing at me. You can see it on film. He turns around, passes me the ball, passes up a layup for a three for some reason. Take it, boom, money. 11 points. We go up by like 30-something. The place is going crazy. And they took me out because we were up by so much, which I never understood that. But it was validating because I had proved after all this stuff we've talked about for the past hour, yeah, I scored double digits in the college game and nobody can take that away. And I always knew I could do it. And now I've done it. And like that was like the best thing. But then the only thing that made me pissed off because I'm like, I knew I could do this. Why wasn't I given this chance earlier? You know, man, like that is so validating. I can like I can sense it after talking to you about this and just kind of feel in your story. I'm sure the listeners of the show, when they listen to this, they're going to feel the same way. You get to feel the emotion. That is validating. But like you said, bittersweet in a sense, because like, yeah, you could have been doing it the whole time. You got to prove yourself. And unfortunately, I think what the life lesson is here is that life's not always fair. Yeah. But um at the same time, if you continue to work, at least puts you, it allows you to be like ready for the situations when they are given to you, which you were doing. You were always preparing. You were always doing your thing so that when the opportunity presented itself, you did take advantage of that. And I think that's one of the missing pieces for a lot of athletes growing up is that they think they're ready. But when the opportunity d- does come, which for some is not often like in your situation, but when it does come, they don't really rise to the occasion and take advantage of it. Thus, they ruin the chance for another opportunity. You, on the other hand, historically speaking, took advantage of the opportunities, Tadek. I think that's super, super awesome. Um, You know, as the college career wrapped up, you mentioned something about a G League tryout. I do want to talk about that for a second. I know you're short on time probably, but I just want to see if we can fit that in to kind of share your story a little bit more after and then kind of talk about how you got into coaching and stuff. Oh yeah, I, I got I got plenty of time, man. I just wasn't sure if you if you had time, but we're good, got, we're good. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'll talk about the G League. So I tried to go play. I graduated in like last year at around this time. I walked, but I didn't walk till May of last year. So May 2023, I walked, got my diploma. And in that time, I was training to transfer somewhere. The problem was the schools I wanted to transfer to on the East Coast, which I had like no basketball connections to because I played in the Midwest for four years. They either A, for some reason, just weren't having it. Like they, they were not interested in me because for whatever reasons, a lot of them suck. And I, I kind of see why they suck now uh, being in the coaching realm and recruiting my players I coach. I'm like, oh, I don't go to this school. Um, but the other two schools didn't offer master's programs. So it didn't make sense for me to play at some small D3 to get a degree I already have. Like I, nobody was benefiting from it. And you're not getting drafted out of a D3 school so that you're not getting a degree from. So there was no win for me here. Like the film to go pro maybe, but like even then, what if you get hurt? Like I didn't want to waste any time to not get a degree. I wanted to get my master's. So I applied to be a uh, a GA. I went through like a million applications. 90% of them I didn't get. And I heard this from two different coaches who called me up after because their schools required them to hire people who belong to the Christian faith because they are historically Christian schools, which a lot of smaller schools are like that. And it was unfortunate because I said, hey, I went to a Christian college. Like, it's not going to be a, I understand I'm Muslim, but it's not going to be a clashing point. Like, I literally went to a school that is called was called Midland Lutheran College up until recently. So I'm used to that environment. I'm not opposed to it, but it didn't end up working out. And that's when my dad kind of told me, okay, this, this might be your calling from God, buddy. Like, don't give up the game yet. And I've been working out every day while I was training kids and coaching, like I'm still hooping every day, training like I'm in college still, get ready for an opportunity. Like, as you say, always stay ready. And uh, I ended up getting for the G League trial. I got one of the 60 spots in the Capital City Go-Go. And I ended up trying out for that this past October. And it was a good experience. I got pretty good feedback. And I, even though I, I didn't make the team, but it was the first time I'd got out of a tryout or got out of anything basketball related where I genuinely believe probably for the first time since I was like a kid, yo, this NBA dream or this pro dream is not impossible. And it's actually closer to reality than anybody thinks because I was able to play against draft picks. I was able to play against guys that made the team and get NBA level coaching. And they were like, oh, you got some skills and here's what you need to get better at. And if you do these things, hey, dude, you could find yourself on a G League roster potentially down the road. Man, that's super cool. So so my question to you would be this then, um, are you still working on getting your master's somewhere? Um, and then is that why you're still stateside? Because I'm almost wondering like, why not take the European route or just any overseas route for that matter, not just European, but just any overseas basketball route. Um, is, there, is there a reason that you made the decision to stay here right now? Yeah, so one, it, I had thought I was going to get my, I got, I got hired for a GA job in West Virginia. And oh, then okay. two days before I was supposed to go up there, they, uh, the coach texted me and said, uh, Hey dude, like we didn't hire me the first time they hired somebody else. That guy quit like a week before school started. And the coach was like, call me at like 12 o'clock at night. Like, Hey, I'm really trying to get somebody up here. I'm like, Hey, I'm down. He's like, talk it over with your family. This was on a Friday night. We talked about it Saturday. I'm like, hey, dude, my dad and mom said, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to come up there on Monday to meet you in person. Because like before like I dedicate my life for the next two years, I just want to 
meet you in person, 100%. He's like, dude, no problem. Text me on a, on Monday, like, hey, dude, don't even bother coming up. Like, I hate to do this to you, but there's somebody who's in the area relative who, like, can be here all week before he moves in. And we're going to go with him instead. I'm like, okay. So I had not done the – I thought I was staying here. So I didn't have my paperwork good for overseas. And then the other thing was I was getting ready for the G League tryout. That was the big thing. It was just, like, timing of everything because I thought I was going to be here. A lot of the European seasons had ended. Um, and the main thing was I had two offers to play, but they were both in Palestine. And even though I'm from Palestine and my mom was born there, I have family there. Like my grandmother's there. My uncles and aunts, my mom's out all over there. My grandparents go every summer. My mom goes every summer. She was there uh, this past summer. Uh, my, my dad and mom just didn't want me to go over because the political climate. Yeah. And they just didn't think it would be a good match. And being somebody who lives in America, what do we have here that they don't have over there? Free speech. And they're like, dude, you're going to go over there and you're going to get thrown in jail because of what you put out on your social media and be, being an activist on social media and having dealt with certain things like not going to jail, but dealing with the repercussions of that in the past in school that impacted me negatively for the long term in terms of, I believe, for speaking publicly for Palestine, uh, they just didn't think it was going to be good. So uh, there was a club in Bethlehem that offered me a contract. And that is, and I thought I was going to go play there. I was excited. And my buddy played for the team and he is an agent as well. And he hooked me up and everything was good. And then my parents were like, no, you're not going there. So then it was just kind of sit and wait. Now I'm waiting for the next seasons to come. And I am still pursuing that route, hopefully. Sweet, man. No, so the journey continues one way or the other. Um, and I understand that, like from a parent's perspective, like political climate over there, I to that's totally understandable. Um, but I also think it's cool after I started following you, Tadek, I think um, I'm, it's commendable that uh, you are very passionate and out, like, outspoken in a good way uh, to defend your own people, like your beliefs and everything. I think that's cool. And I think what you just said there is uh, something that we take for granted here in America is freedom of speech. And, you know, you have to deal with repercussions for it from time to time. But I mean, the fact that we have it is a beautiful thing. We should never get rid of that. So I hope everybody understands that because you're able to defend your beliefs and such. But I, um, I, I just wanted to say that because I've, I've noticed a couple things that you post. I'm like, you know what? Good for him, man. That's super dope. Uh, super awesome. And, uh, one of the questions I have for you then as we, as, as the journey continues, um, we want to follow your journey. So first question is where can we follow you? Dottic is, is, I mean, I obviously follow you on TikTok. I'll put a link there to there. Is there any other outlets where we can follow you and kind of see the rest of your journey? Yeah, so I post on TikTok and Instagram mainly. I also have a YouTube channel, which you can find by searching up my TikTok name, uh, Always Bowling Every Day, and I'll be posting stuff there. And I'm also coaching for my high school, Chancellor High School, and we have a freshman team now because, as you said, there's a lot of kids that get overlooked. And because I was going to be around and, and still in the States and still five minutes away from the high school and helping out anyway, I was like, hey, dude, there's I see a lot of me's maybe. A lot of guys, we might have to gloss over. But what if we gave them a chance? What if we just gave them a sliver? You never know who you're going to find. And already one or two of those kids were talking about pulling up for JV. So uh, I guess everything happens for a reason. And, and now I get to give back. And you can follow that journey just by looking up Chancellor High School, I guess. But also I'm posting about that on my social medias as well. Yes, sir, dude. We're going to put that here in the description, kind of keep an eye on it all. But this is awesome. So I'll put all those links to your socials there, YouTube included. And um, I guess the last question for you, Tadek, is what's the biggest life lesson 
that basketball has taught you up to this point? The biggest life lesson basketball has taught me up to this point. Man, I'd have to say that the biggest lesson I've taken from basketball is like you, when you shoot, right? Only two things can happen. No, everybody, even me, make these videos, how to make shots, da, 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 da. Only two things could happen. Either you make it or you miss it. And I've never met a player that made every shot. And I've never met a player that missed every shot. So just think of life like basketball. If you don't shoot, you can't make it or miss it. So you got to shoot and it's 50-50. Either it's going to happen or it doesn't. But just because it doesn't happen the first time doesn't mean it can't happen again. Dude. That is something that everyone, not just athletes, needs to hear. Tarek, I appreciate your time, brother. I think I, I'm just thankful that you responded to my comment, um, that we were able to make this connection. And I look forward to you know connecting with you in the future too, and just following your journey. Um, and if there's anything I can do, just let me know. But I just appreciate you joining the show, brother. Thank you so much. Now, thank you so much, man. This is a great opportunity. I appreciate that somebody was able to see my story and and wanted to be spotlighted and allowed me this platform, man. Like I'm like grateful to you for that, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll be staying in touch. And I hope that I can get some of my, my listeners to follow your journey too. And, and I hope that this will inspire some of the younger generation. Um, if they've, I know there's people that are just like, like you said, in your school, there might be a couple of you's there. Like there might be some me's. Uh, that's what you said. I, I, I believe that there's a lot more of those out there than we even can comprehend. And so hopefully this will help them out. For all those who are listening, we appreciate you tuning in. As always, I just ask you guys to subscribe to the podcast because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Now take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.